DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined by Kimberly Hahn, who is a Catholic speaker and author and who for decades shared her wisdom with other wives and mothers. Married to Scott for more than 40 years, they have six children and 19 grandchildren. After homeschooling for 26 years, Kimberly now serves as counsel at large in Steubenville, Ohio, and hosts the St. Paul Center podcast, Beloved and Blessed. With Kimberly Hahn, we go inside the pages of Chosen and Cherished, Biblical Wisdom for Your Marriage, published by Emmaus Road. Kimberly, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, great, great to be with you, Chris. Can I tell you how much I love Chosen and Cherished? No, I can't because <laughs> this isn't enough. This is one of my all-time favorite works, and it is truly biblical wisdom. And when it's true, it, it transcends all aspects of your life, doesn't it? Sure, yes. It's an opportunity not only to look at marriage, but even before marriage and during marriage, our own relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and how crucial it is that we understand him as the bridegroom of our soul, um, that he desires a very intimate relationship with us. And as we give ourselves more fully to the Lord, um, we better understand that commitment in marriage and giving ourselves to another human being. Finding a guide, the, the greatest of guides, in the heart of the scriptures. I mean, I think that is so key, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Because that is, um, unlike just wonderful, holy writings that we've been given over time, there is something incredibly different about sacred scriptures. I mean, that's God's own communication to us, isn't it? Right, right. The Catechism says it's it's like God's love letters to us, Um, you know, speaking to us as his, beloved children. And so it's not about rules and regulations, which you can and can't do. It's, this is the way to holiness and happiness. And, and we, we need to keep coming back to the fact that it's the Lord who created us. It is the Lord who redeems us. It is the Lord who calls us to a particular vocation in which we can grow more and more like him. It is all from love. He didn't make us because he was bored. He didn't make us because he he was lonely. God, out of this triune Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, communion of life-giving love, called man and woman into being, made them in his image, unlike every other creature, and then blessed them in a marriage relationship to be fruitful and to be, in essence, king and queen of creation having dominion over all of creation. And then when they fall, they're both made in the image of God. They're both in need of a savior. As St. Paul says, in Christ, there's neither male nor female. And so Christ is the savior of women as well as men. And it's through Christ that we then receive the Holy Spirit to be able to live this call as we're meant to live it to find that we're not left orphaned in this, that he does yes. bring us instruction, examples, and wisdom, as you have so beautifully found in Proverbs 31. Yeah, I love this passage. You know, this is the instructions of the Queen Mother to her son, King Lemuel, really wanting to put in his heart the kinds of qualities he needed to look for in a wife. In other words, it's like she's saying, 
okay, you've amassed wealth, you've amassed animals and maidservants and men servants and jewels. And I, I want to tell you about the pivotal person who's going to make the difference in your kingdom. And you need to choose someone who has a heart for God. And so this instruction in, in Proverbs 31 goes through a number of different things. And that's what I am unpacking first in Chosen and Cherish and then the other books to get a sense of what are those qualities that not only will make the difference in that marriage relationship, but I really think the Queen Mother is saying it'll make the difference in your kingdom. Even if our castle is just a small, humble abode, it could be an apartment it's still your castle and you're still called to be the king and queen of the realm. And so I see her instructions as very, very helpful, even centuries later, to those of us who want to have a marriage that reflects God's grace. I think this is a chapter that needs to be studied by everyone just for the, as you said, the unique feature that it's a, a chapter written by a woman in the scripture. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And to me, to my mind, her words must have been taken very seriously for them to have been written down and for the Holy Spirit to enable us to then have access to this. It's beautiful. Yeah. And that her son took it seriously, so seriously that it was yeah. written down. Yeah. You, you know it's true. Right. It, it pierced him so much that he saw the truth of her wisdom. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And you can see what she lays out in those early verses, she is talking about what a, what a gift a godly woman is in a marriage. The phrase, for instance, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. In other words, it's his, to, to his advantage, he's going to be able to trust her, not only with his own heart, but with their home, with their family life. That's so essential for us to have peace in our home, to be able to be trustworthy people. And I would say you can also look at the Queen Mother's instructions in the reverse. Not only is this a sort of a list of all kinds of qualities that a young man can value, should value in his wife, but you also see that call in him. Why is she trustworthy? Why is she so generous to the poor? And it comes from that relationship with God. Well, the man is called to the same. It's not just about make sure you cover your bases by having a wife who is a woman of God. You have to be a man of God and you need to value in each other how you have submitted your heart to the Lord. And that's that foundation of faithfulness, not only in the horizontal living in this world, but it's based on the faithfulness of God. You know, great is his faithfulness, new every morning are his promises. And so a man who has given himself to God is also the one who is worthy of that woman who's given her heart to God. We're talking with Kimberly Hahn about her book, Chosen and Cherished, Biblical Wisdom for Your Marriage. And what I love about this book so much, and as I've said before, it's more than just a scripture study. It's very penetrating into the heart. It shines a light on where we are at, how we are doing. It's Mm -hmm. not just learning something about the scripture, but it's learning about ourselves, isn't it? Right. And every time I have an opportunity to teach this, I am called to go deeper. We go through several different ways in which we can grow in faithfulness in our thoughts and our words and our deeds, for instance. And if we reduce faithfulness to I commit to never having an affair, 
then that's a good thing. But we've missed so many small ways that we can grow in being more faithful. So I tried to break it down in terms of thoughts, the, the absolutely vital lifeblood of prayer in my heart that I need to have that relationship with the Lord growing on a daily basis, but it's also something I can do that strengthens our foundation of faithfulness in our marriage. So it's not just private. It's not just me and Jesus. I'm also at the same time strengthening my marriage because I'm taking time to pray and to pray for Scott and to pray in thanksgiving for Scott. We also have that commitment to purity of thought. What am I dwelling on? I can't keep wrong thoughts out of my mind, temptations come. But what do I do with them? Do I dwell on them? Or do I make sure that I'm filling my heart and mind with things that are good to be thinking about? And that's, again, where scripture comes in. That's where having a sensitivity that something is a temptation and I'm not to dwell on that. And then it goes further. You know, am I forgiving from the heart? And I try to give some specific examples because, for instance, I found I had had a difficult conversation with a family member and I would come to a point of resolution, feel forgiving, and then it would come back to me. And it's amazing when you recount to someone what you feel was an injustice, or even if you only think about it, you can get as worked up in anger and frustration as if it just occurred five minutes ago. And so when I was in confession, I asked Father Ray Ryland, you know, it just seems to me that uh, this is some kind of sin, but I don't even know how to confess it. Can you help me understand it? And he said, Kimberly, the mulling over in your mind of details is what you need to ask God to remove. He said, that can be sin because it's getting you all worked up. What you need, you can't keep the thought from coming to your mind. But when that thought comes, he said, walk in forgiveness. Say in your heart, Lord, thank you that that conflict has been resolved. Thank you that you are bringing good out of what was a very difficult situation. Thank you that I have forgiven as an act of my will. And please help me to feel those feelings of forgiveness. But whether or not the feelings come, I'm going to walk in the knowledge that I have forgiven or I have been forgiven and we're going to move forward. Anyway, I mean, I don't want, I know there isn't time to go through all the specifics, but let me mention just a couple of things in terms of words. Again, not just praying alone, but praying with your spouse, praying with your children so that they're included in this intimacy with the Lord and you're included in their intimate relationship with the Lord. <laughs> I actually did a whole new section on making love our aim through song. I was so convicted as I looked up the command to sing. There are so many passages in the Psalms that command us to sing, or, or the psalmist exclaims, I will praise thee with the heart for thy faithfulness. I will sing aloud to God our strength. I shout to God with joy, God of Jacob. You know, raise the song, sound the timbrel, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, you know, Catholics, you've got it. We're going to sing more. We need to proclaim that's a way we grow in faithfulness by just singing God's praises. And so as you walk around your home, as you're nursing your baby to sleep, or as you're driving your car to work, is music a part of your proclamation of truth, using your words to grow in faithfulness to our Lord? Certainly the whole element of speaking the truth, always, 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 never, ever being women who lie. And then in deeds 
I, I just want to mention one thing, and this is something that I think is more prevalent, that I'm seeing more items on the internet about this or questions coming over email, that there aren't just physical affairs, but there are emotional affairs where there are people, good people who are married in marriages that are very difficult and they don't even understand that they are giving in to a temptation for an emotional affair. They're saving texts and emails from maybe someone at work who seems much more sympathetic than their spouse or much more understanding than their spouse. And they're beginning to go down a road that is going to lead to real unfaithfulness, whether or not they have a physical affair. I would just say to any listeners, I think not only should we choose Christ each day in a type of ongoing conversion, but we also need to choose our spouse, to set our heart on our spouse, to fill our heart with all that is good and true and beautiful about our spouse. And I would go one step further after a conversation with a young mother the other day. I think we need to set our hearts on our children, to choose each child, to say thank you for the gift of this particular child, and to open our hearts to love and to grace and to forgiveness, because in our homes is the nexus of where grace and faith find feet. And it's beyond our power sometimes, but it's not beyond God. I'm so glad you brought all those points up. And it speaks about our vocation. It's the mission. It's the purpose for which God has called us to live out our faith in the world. And you mentioned your vocation. It's a guy named Scott earlier. Right. (laughs) For many people out there, Scott Hahn. Bruce and I, my my vocation, mm-hmm. <laughs> you advised us, what was it, uh, probably, I don't know, 12 or 13 years ago, that he's my vocation. Yeah. You know, now 37 years into it, that yeah. was a key <laughs> moment for us. Because this mm. is this is your mission, is to love this person, even when they're yeah. the hardest things, I'm supposed to help him grow in holiness, and he's called to help me grow in holiness. And yeah. sometimes it's like rocks in a rock tumbler. But we're united yes. in that mission, isn't it? I mean, that's important, isn't it? It is. And, you know, by the grace of God, God is the one who keeps plugging that machine in. Yeah, and right. like agates, you know, we're bouncing off each other and sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, rubbing each other. And at the same time, what comes out are these beautiful polished stones. And our spouse is not what we're trying to get around to get to God. It is the path through. The picture that comes to my heart sometimes when I think about Scott and me is almost like a scene out of Heidi, where you've got Heidi and Peter up on the mountain and they're watching the goats. And then I think Heidi would see something off in the distance. And it was such a beautiful view. And she called to Peter and Peter runs over and they take it in together. And then another time, Peter goes ahead of Heidi. Come on up here. See what, see what I'm seeing. And I think We do it in different ways. Sometimes it's intellectual. Sometimes it's just interpersonal with God where we have an insight. But that going forward, seeing the vista and calling to the other, join me. And it's so beautiful. It's such a treasure. And you're right. It's not about a vocation in a generic sense. There's some people, you know, at the university, some of the singles who will say to me, you know, I know my vocation is marriage. And they can have that strong sense. 
but it's confirmed when there's a name. Because I wasn't called to marriage in general. I have been called to marriage to Scott. This is where I need to do the work of my marriage and not just be in the realm of ideas. (laughs) As tempting as that can be to just think about the ideal, (laughs) this this is the real. And so how do we live it in a nitty-gritty fashion, day in, day out, diapers to dessert, you know, how do we live this honoring our Lord and growing closer to Him in and through that other individual? When we look at it to this, my vocation, again, my vocation is Bruce, it seals the covenant, makes it real. It's not the job of marriage. You know, sometimes we look at marriage as, I've met my vocation, the person, I've sealed the, the covenant yes. with him. Now I'm in a state of marriage. Yeah. It's a paradigm, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that's where the scriptures are just amazing because we see marriages, we see marriages fail and we see marriages succeed. The scriptures aren't just about rainbows and unicorns and something that is unattainable. Um, even from a very different time period, we have markers that point the way for greater faithfulness or show us the ways in which men or women really let down their spouse. And we learn from both. We learn from both. And I think scripture is very nitty gritty about that. We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. The St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology is a nonprofit research and educational institute that promotes life-transforming scripture study in the Catholic tradition. Founded by Dr. Scott Hahn and with current Vice President Mike Aquilina, the center serves clergy and laity, students and scholars with research and study tools from books and publications to multimedia and online programming. The St. Paul Center welcomes you to their free online studies. Whether you're studying scripture for the first time, looking to take your studies to a higher level, or whether you're ready for advanced training, you've come to the right place. In addition, for each track of study, they recommend books that will enhance your study in prayer and build your library of essential works in biblical theology and spirituality. The studies are free. Just visit SalvationHistory.com to view a complete library. We now return to Inside the Pages. We're talking with Kimberly Hahn about her book, Chosen and Cherished, Biblical Wisdom for Your Marriage. When we look at specifically what the Queen Mother is kind of giving us the example of what the Proverbs 31 wife should look like, 
I mean, that's mm-hmm. it, it's about being a godly woman, about being mm-hmm. a good woman. And you had just mentioned some of the things that can really trip us up. One of those things, and you said it, it just pinged me. You're not supposed to lie. And mm-hmm. when we talk about lying, for us as women, it goes beyond just telling a falsehood. That breaks trust, as you point out. That is hard to mend that crack and when trust yeah. is broken. But it also encompasses when we're out in the world, the detraction, the sisters of that sin, of the lie, it's also detraction and culminy. And and it's, we have to be very careful what comes out of our mouth. We really do. We really do. And, uh, you know, I'm at a stage where I have some children who are married and, and five of my six are settling into their vocations. And, uh, along with this, um, comes a, a, a different kind of temptation that I had when they were little. And that is, am I going to honor the confidences of my husband or do I draw my adult children into a type of counselor position where I share what's difficult or challenging in such a way that I'm not just asking for some prayer or something, but I'm really putting my children in the middle of my spouse and myself. And I think there are a lot of people who have felt very justified in doing that, saying, well, you know, my children can handle this. I need their help or I need their support. I need their attaboy that, you know, hang in there, whatever. And that is a way in not being trustworthy in our words, because we're really to honor confidences with our spouse. And if we need a counselor, get a counselor, but don't put into your children's hearts something that is going to demean their dad. Because if you can do that, it also, it's like a slide off of the side of the road. You end up creening into a ditch because you end up doing that in almost everything. And the time, please forgive me, I'm trying to say this in all reverence to f- folks out there, but it's in a way it's, it's selfish. I mean, at the time you're doing it, you're trying to find a relief and you're trying, yeah. you know, you're trying to get that you've been heard, and, but it's not about you. You may not be right in what you're saying to them. Is it possible that maybe you're not seeing things as clearly? And look at what you've now placed in their heart concerning their parent or another situation. Right, right. Yeah, I think of Proverbs eleven thirteen. It says, he who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps the thing hidden. And now I'm not saying if something dramatic would happen, like you realize your spouse is an alcoholic or you realize there's a true addiction to pornography, you need to pursue genuine help. And I don't know at what point that involves your adult children, but it doesn't begin with your adult children. It begins with finding someone who could actually help and intervene. I'm not saying you just suck it up, you just keep it to yourself, because again, your primary needs to be for the soul of your spouse. If he is getting trapped by something like a major addiction, he's not going to be free to love the Lord. So the motivation is genuine love, but it's not going about talking to this person and this person and this person in a way that really becomes gossip rather than actual. And I think along with this is the idea that we don't establish confidences apart from our spouse. Occasionally, I'll have a friend who says, you know, can I tell you something you just can't tell Scott? And I stop them and say, 
I, I don't have enough time in the day to tell Scott everything that happens, but I can't hear something that, um, apart from a happy surprise, I can't agree that I will never tell Scott. So if you can't tell me and, and have Scott know, then please don't tell me. And this goes doubly so for children. When a child feels that hesitation of heart, it's like, mom, I got to tell you something, but you can't tell dad. Right then is a red flag. And I would probably say, now I know I need to tell dad because whatever that hesitation on your heart is, that means you don't have a clean relationship on this issue. And, and I'll help you tell dad, but it's really important that you not set up something that then becomes a wall between dad and me. Um, that's not right. And so even something as simple as confidences, we can't establish confidences apart from our spouse, with friends or with our children. Well, now here it is. I'm going to stand up and say this is, I can testify to what you just said because you taught me that a long time ago. And, and, what, and having <laughs> implemented it into our marriage, I mean, it, at least a decade or more into the marriage now, and, and with my friendships, I, I do the same thing per your instruction on that, because I, I, I tell them, it, okay, I never tell them something that they can't tell their spouse. I never share with a, a, a friend, a female friend. I, I would never, and I've even had to tell them that on occasion. I'm not going to, no, you can tell your husband. I'm not going to tell you something that you can't share with your husband. But on, the, on the flip, don't expect me not to be able to share because that's my most intimate relationship and the one I go to for counsel you know, um, yes. and uh, not to block them out. Hits, right. That hits on that other aspect that you mentioned earlier, the emotional friendships that we can enter into that can be as devastating, especially for women. The, the, the physicality yeah. of an affair, that, especially as you get older, may not be as important as the emotional need. That goes deep, deep, deep. And you have to be careful about who you share your that type of relationship with. Yes. And I would say, especially in the heat of a conversation where you haven't come to resolution with your spouse. So, you know, maybe, maybe it just got too late at night. Maybe the next day you just got to head out to work and, and it's not resolved. And then you share your heart with someone who unlike your spouse the night before, is consoling, is a good listener, seems compassionate, and you're not even realizing you're beginning to transfer some real loyalty. And, and I would say, if you circle back to key texts or emails from someone, or there's a small gift, you know, maybe something very small, that when you see it, you think of that person, something stirs in your heart, I you need to see these things as chains. These are what will bind you to something that is putting you down the wrong road. Your spouse is to be that person that you communicate with, that you console, that you get consolation from. And if that's not where your marriage relationship is, then that's an area in which you, you do work. You know, you, you work on that, but you don't allow a different relationship, in a sense, interject itself into your marriage because it will not produce good. You know, I, I've heard the conversation before. Actually, it's happened more than once at the university where who is married says, you know, we just have a St. Clair, St. Francis relationship. And they'll put a 
a spiritual veneer over it. Well, you know what? St. Clair and St. Francis had very clear understanding of what their vocations were, and they would never have risked their vocation pursuing the love they had between, you know, between them in a wrong direction. They would have guarded their heart. And so don't use them as an excuse for pursuing something. Of course, this is real tricky when you've got a spouse who's Christian and that one is not. Because, of course, there is so much that cannot be shared. They just won't understand. But your prayer needs to be sharing the Lord with your spouse so that you can be at the point where you can share, not looking for a different person, especially one of the opposite sex, who will fulfill the role that really needs to be fulfilled by your spouse. Now, again, um, this is going to be an area where I want to be very reverential and, and realize that a lot of people are in, in unique situations given where they're at. But we also have to be very careful in the spiritual realm, too, of who we share things with and into the depth. Now, what I mean by that is that we've heard it said so often that we need to have spiritual directors, that it's good to have good confessors, to turn to the church in those times, but to also bring that spouse into that that spiritual realm, because that's where you're yes. united with Christ in the marriage. He's there with you. Yeah. And yes. to, sometimes I think there can be this temptation to, well, I'm just going to always go to Father Bob understands me, Deacon Joe is over here, and you know my husband, he's never going to get it. But you have to ask the question, did you ever ask your husband? Have you ever encouraged your husband to share these with you? I mean, just to gently just keep going back and to the point where he actually believes that you care about what he thinks. Oh yeah, I think that's I think that's right on. And I give you an example in kind of a another way of looking at this. So we had a young man visit us and he said, I really need to talk about something. So we took a brief walk and he said that he is in a youth group and as a leader, a married woman decided to join their leadership team. She was in a marriage with a non-Christian. Her perspective was, God is calling me to do something more than just family. I want to be involved in ministry. Her husband did not agree. He did not want her to do it, but she discounted his hesitation because, after all, he's not a Christian. So, And she, she decided she had more understanding about this than he did. And she just, so two little kids, but, you know, she went off and became a part of this youth group ministry opened her heart to this young man, how hard it was to wish that she'd married a committed Catholic, et cetera, et cetera. And what he was unburdening to me was they were now in a full-blown affair. Here they were, leaders of this youth group, and, and he said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I said, of course you know what to do. You need to go back to her and say, absolutely, our relationship needs to be completely cut off, and you cannot continue to serve in the youth group because we're going to present a total dilemma to these kids. We're teaching them one thing and we're going to live in front of them another. And I said, you need to have her go back and repent to her husband. And she needs to focus on her marriage. And he said, I just can't do that. I'm so in, I'm in love. I'm in love. And I said, you cannot be, you cannot allow that to continue. And then he called about a week later and said, you know, I appreciate the time you gave us, but our me. But we told the youth group what's going on and she's going to divorce her husband and we're going to get married. And I just, I mean, it just took my breath away. But it began with a Christian wife 
who discounted her husband's leadership because he wasn't a believer and doing her own will and then unburdening herself to that young man, you know, who was such a good listener. And then uh, they were off to the races and, and, you know, a marriage was destroyed and a family was deeply harmed and that does not need to happen. So we need part of what I try to unpack in the book are what are the steps that people take that down the road develop into a full-blown affair and, and what are the steps that godly men and women need to take as things begin, they can stop it at any point by the grace of God. They can throw away those gifts. They can delete those emails and texts. They can recommit in prayer, choosing their spouse every day. Yeah, you just as a, a quick footnote to that, I mean, for those who are out there who may be thinking, well, who do I go to then? Well, you go try to find that spiritual friend, that spiritual counselor, director, priest. You hear in them this, this desire, I want to know about your husband. Well, what does your husband think about this? What does your wife, what does she say about this? Yes. They know that they need to bring that spouse into this discernment in the relationship. But if, if you're talking yes. to somebody who is discounting that spousal relationship or doesn't even care about it, you're probably not in mm-hmm. the place that is going to be fruitful for you. Right. Right. And, you know, someone said this about a pastor, but I think it applies just as much to your spouse. You know, if you're thinking, oh, I wish we had a better pastor. The comment was, well, then pray for him. Yep. I mean, he can become a better pastor. <laughs> pray for him. And so I wish I was married to the X, Y, and Z. And it's like, no, 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 you are married to this individual. And so pray for that person to be the man or woman of God that they are supposed to be. And part of your vocation in marriage is, is assisting that person to become that person, you know, and, and it doesn't mean it will be primarily through teaching them and setting them straight. It may be just praying and letting God change you so that you have a better sensitivity to how can I genuinely assist my spouse so that we share eternity with our Lord who we love. And this is for the benefit of all of your children as well. Well, welcome to the vocation of marriage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and thank God. And, and for that person, uh, check yes. out Elizabeth and Felix Lasur, uh, the, the, the saint who, and her husband, who she didn't get to see the end result. She died before he ended up coming into the church and actually became a Dominican priest. So there, you just don't know what God's going to do with your vocation. You just have to be faithful yes. to it, to him, to her. Yeah. And our, and our faithfulness is rooted in God's faithfulness. You know, that's mm-hmm. one of the fruits of the Spirit. So we can anticipate greater and greater faithfulness. And he'll show us that way. I am confident. I, how, how is it that I only t- touch the tip of the iceberg of this book? And already <laughs> the time is gone. And my heart is broken. But, I'm, but actually, I'm, I'm rejoicing because Chosen and Cherished, Biblical Wisdom for Your Marriage, and the, the subsequent books that will come, just from the wisdom, and I before we, we end our conversation, I have to let people know that it's not just a, a book, but it's also, I love the reflection questions. I mean, and, and today people can, can get together in a group. I mean, you can get together mm-hmm. in a chat room. You can do Zooms. You can do all kinds of things to kind of reflect with one another, to challenge one another. And also, this book, Kimberly, is it is Proverbs 31, 
But my gosh, there's a tapestry of scripture that you weave in this. I mean, I, I love the fact that you bring in Ephesians and Genesis and all the other scripture. It's not just a, it's not just one section where you look at it, but yeah. it is. It's a, it's a gorgeous tapestry. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, it's really a privilege to get to share it. And we're now, you know, doing a podcast. So the podcast is called BelovedAndBlessed.com, and people can sign up for the podcast and. It's going to be an EWTN radio show beginning January 3rd, and that is called Beloved and Blessed with Kimberly Hahn. So I hope people will tune in and feel free to respond to me. There's a, a way to respond by email at belovedandblessed.com. It's a ministry of the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology, which is a, a ministry Scott and I founded in 2001. And I'm just so thrilled to have a new outlet for sharing this. And I'm eager to hear from people. What did they think and how this impacting their marriages and what are they learning that I can learn from them? Because I want to go deeper. I want to learn more. And there's certainly situations people are dealing with that I haven't dealt with yet. And one of those is widowhood. And I, I have to admit, it will probably be a little ways off in the distance for me to make some of those applications. Some are easy to make as we go along. I'm not widowed. And so I haven't thought through what all the implications are. And I, I just asked for their patience because I know I may not share as much relevant material with you at the moment, but I am thinking and praying about how to address that as well, because there are, there are still ways in which you live out that faithfulness to your spouse in widowhood. And God may also open the door for another very real and beautiful marriage on the other side of widowhood. And I don't know what all that looks like because I have not lived that. The thing about the Proverbs 31 woman is that, it, yes, it's, it does help, both male and female, I have to say, it's, it's that fruitful, that um, mm -hmm. are in a marriage, but also those who have now, as you have, retired necessarily from the day-to-day -day, um, <laughs> activities that moms have to yeah. deal with. But it helps to, yeah. it, you can't, by going into this, you, it can help instruct, help guide from your previous experiences. And women at any age, this yeah. type of fruitfulness can help others. So I think that's mm -hmm. the beauty of it. And beloved, blessed, hey, everybody, it's so easy. Just ask Siri to find it on your <laughs> iPhone. You know, Siri, give me Loving and Blessed by Kimberly Hahn Podcast. That's it's that easy. Or ask Alexa. And, and it, there's no reason why you mm -hmm. cannot subscribe to this. I did right off the bat, and I am so excited. I feel blessed. Mm -hmm. I couldn't encourage people more. This is the podcast you really do want to listen to, mm -hmm. along with, you know, of course, Discerning Hearts. We can put us, I'd, I'd be a happy second to Kimberly Hahn any day, or even a third or a fourth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris, love you. I just pray for continued expansion of this of your ministry, Kimberly. You've Thank learned so much raising Thank all those beautiful children and being married to that vocation of yours. Um, he's mm -hmm. he's a good guy too. He's he's a good guy. Yeah, he's taught a few people <laughs> a few things. Yeah, Any final it, thoughts, Kimberly? I think that the Lord has a lot of grace that He wants to give us individually and to bless our marriage with. And I hope that His Spirit will truly bring that grace to your hearts, that He will help you to see the next right thing to do, to take the next step forward. Don't try 
to change everything about your marriage or everything about the way you communicate or everything about the, you know, how you live this out. Ask the Lord to show you the next steps forward. And he will, because he wants holy marriages. He wants holy families. That's a prayer he's going to answer. And God bless you. God bless you all. Kimberly Hahn, thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. Great to be with you. With Kimberly Hahn, we've gone inside the pages of Chosen and Cherished, Biblical Wisdom for Your Marriage. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to stpaulcenter.com, the website for its publisher, Emmaus Road Publishing. And don't forget to subscribe to the Beloved and Blessed Podcast with Kimberly Hahn. You can find it on all streaming podcast platforms. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.